this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. One dish to me that really seemed to be the weakest link was that dumpling and chicken dish that Brandon gave us. It's like three real elements of that dish. Neither one of them were cooked properly. I was super happy with my dish. I mean, looks great. everything you know, looked awesome. good. I think it was really good. Both Brandon and Natalie, for me, are at the bottom of my list. You say lemon curd. Want to taste like lemon? <laughs> and for lemon curd. The cooking of the crust was a flaw, and the lemoniness of that Well, it wasn't curd. cooked enough. Yeah. I don't Everybody think mine looked dish. great, but it's I thought tasted it tasted awesome. good. Oh, it tasted really, the flavor was spot on. Well, I think we have our answer. Let's get them out here. It's Pack Your Nice. I'm Kevin Arnimus. And I am a very, very sad Tom Haberstrow. I am a very excited Kevin Arnimus because... This week is the premiere of my favorite Canadian Jewess, my gay male crush, Gail Simmons, who makes her inaugural appearance on Top Chef 16 as a pregnant woman. Oh, man. Man, where, where do we begin here? Um, I think this, this isn't the first time. This isn't a Top Chef first seeing my number one. And for all the spoiler alerts out there, spoiler alerts, I don't know why you're listening to this. Is it understood that if you're listening to this before you watch the episode that, that, that you've sort of relinquished your your claim to a spoiler alert yeah i think so so if you haven't watched episode two and you stumbled into this podcast because you just have it subscribed and it's auto playing if you haven't watched episode two go watch it then listen to this because it is a doozy natalie my number one overall pick is eliminated in the second episode after winning the first elimination challenge and looking like a star she is sent home packing natalie please pack your knives and go 
That's fine. That's good. We just thought that there wasn't enough lemon and the, the, I understand. the dough was undercooked, but we'll see you at Last Chance Kitchen. I understand. Thank Great. you so much. Thanks. Great Let's just go into it here, Kevin. The whole lamb thing, the whole lamb thing that that um, that Eddie spent $500 of a $1,500 bet, and I know that he was super uh, self-deprecating. He felt terrible, and he was eating it and was like, I'm so sorry. But Kevin... Why didn't they just give back like a hundred dollars worth of lamb and or five dollars worth of lamb and then everyone would get their spices and their their lemons? I don't understand what went down. Maybe I'm bitter that Natalie got sent home because she didn't have enough lemons, which seems like a very cheap way to uh, you know. Wh- why can't you just get a rack of lamb and send it back, save twenty bucks, and then be able to give some lemons and some spice to Pablo and Natalie? I'm I'm just beside myself. All right, yeah. To recap for our listeners who. Presumably have watched the episode. Uh, each team got $1,500 to do their family-style dinner for, I believe, 48 people. Uh, there's always somewhat of a constraint on the budget. They want to make it that you have to be somewhat selective. But, but rarely, it's interesting, as many runs as we've seen through the aisles of Whole Foods, it's rare that you see this scenario. Eddie was going to do lamb loin, boneless, uh, when they did not have lamb loin needed to go to racks, which are considerably more expensive uh, per ounce of, of lamb. Uh, they had fifteen hundred dollars. His bill came up to like five forty. He's doing the main dish, and and Tom, I think it's always understood the person doing kind of the showcase protein is going to spend more than the person doing, let's say, spoon bread or a side. Yes. However, you're right. Someone needed to say, "Hey, motherfucker, you need to make four hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. worth of lamb racks look like five hundred dollars worth of lamb racks." You know, it's being served family style. Oh, you feel terrible. Well, you should feel terrible. Because, you know, and, and I think there is, I thought Natalie put it very well. I think there are moments in the show, it's so fraternal, it's so, you know, it's very communal. These are people who all share a common passion. And yes, there are rivalries and personality conflicts. But at the end of the day, you kind of see it having that lovely family style dinner at the Makers Mark Estate. Um, you know, these are people who genuinely like each other, but like you've got to An be. Asshole. You've got to exercise a le- level yes. of assertiveness. And you got to say, like, dude, put one of those racks back because I'm doing lemon curd, which I think pretty much mathematically guarantees, Tom, that it requires lemons. <laughs> and, and like poor Pablo, like, yo, well, I've got chili powder. Well, chili powder is, I mean, it's a spice, but it's not a spice. Like, it, 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 I mean, it's. I mean, it's a spice, but it, it, a, a stew requires something a little sharper. Um, and, I mean, there were errors along the way for everybody. I mean, clearly, Natalie, uh, who, just for our listeners, went out on a lemon curd. The crust kind of wilted in the heat or really didn't get cooked. It wasn't accounted that, for that's, in the heat. That's a fair, uh, that's a fair issue. If you're going to get sent home, like but, doing your homework on the weather and making sure that that would be something that would cook properly in the heat of the summer in Louisville outdoors. But... Oh, my. Like, uh. yeah, I mean, there, there's no question, right? I mean, this was she was done in by a lack of assertiveness, uh, you know, on her part. And, you know, Eddie seems like, by the way, I admire Eddie for his guilt riddenness. I mean, it, it is a moment momentary thing. What do you do? You've got a minute and 12 seconds to make this call. I mean, how do you sort of contend with it? But yeah, Natalie yeah. was like, I want to be a team player. And she uh, fell on the sword. and was like, you know what? I got to do that. Make the best of it. But then uh, maybe maybe we'll get to it later. But when she gave up her lemons again for a second time, 
Um, but this is this was a, a heartbreaker for me because this is my number one pick. This is like selecting um, Anthony Bennett with the number one overall pit, pick for the Cavs and then seeing him basically, basically out of the league in a year. And Natalie, um, you know, I... I I just felt like this was something that had never happened before in Top Chef. I was for the second year in a row, every year that we've done this show. So 100% of the time, I have picked the East the, the Elimination Challenge winner in, in the first episode. Because, Kevin, let me just read you these stats real quick. The first season, the first episode winner won the, won the whole thing. The second season won the whole thing. The third season finished eighth. The fourth season won the whole thing. Fifth season runner-up. Sixth season runner-up. Seventh season runner-up. Ninth season won. Eleventh season runner-up. Twelfth season won. Thirteenth season won. I mean, the stats don't lie. But in case this in this instance, man, it does lie. Natalie and then Tyler last year went out after three episodes. I'm hurting, Kevin. I'm hurting right now. All right. Well, let me let me ask you some questions regarding the probabilities here. A- as an analyst, and, and you look at these things as carefully as anybody I know in basketball, at what point does that number have to drop far enough where you kind of relinquish it as a reality, that it's no longer reality, that it's a, it's a trailing indicator, or, or it was once true, but the conditions of Top Chef have changed such that Whatever advantage the winner had uh, in in skill, uh, it no longer exists. Um, I mean, is there something, is there a moment by which it no longer becomes a reliable predictor? We saw Tyler last year. You kind of got, I think, was that me? or I think you, you got the first pick. I mean, you got screwed there too. And by the way, another guy who was just a, a fantastic chef and... You know, might again. These do look like anomalies, if not for the budget. I mean, I don't think either of us believe that if she had a requisite number amount of acid in that dish, that even with the crust, that she's not that it's Brendan not going home with with uh, with raw dumplings or, or whatever it was. Well, uh, this has happened before. So in season ten, Seattle, Kuniko Kuniko Yagi. She won the first elimination challenge and then was out. This was the Brooke Williamson and Kristen uh, Kish season. And so there is a precedent for this where the first winner is also the one to go out next. And uh, it's a it's it's tough. It's a tough one to to see um, Natalie go. But you're right. Maybe there is something because this is a lot of front loaded seasons that had a ridiculous run of. Uh, correlation between the first episode elimination challenge winner and winning the whole thing again. And by the way, she was a badass. Kaneko was um, she co-created Sona, which about 15, 20 years ago was like my favorite restaurant in Los Angeles. One of my favorite dishes ever. Like as a, it was, it's a really elegant thing. Um, I think she was married to David Myers, who was the chef. And they kind of together did it. Um, and uh, yeah, she, by the way, that, I mean, a different conversation for a different day. That Seattle cast was just loaded with talent. Loaded with talent. And maybe we're having the same thing here, too, where uh, Natalie, if there was some other people who just bombed their dish, maybe Natalie stays around. But, hey, you know, like, that happens. This is sports. This is is, uh, reality, TV. This is all in a competition. You're gonna have some really tough competition in this this instance. And for, for all the things that happen negatively to... Uh, to Natalie, this was um, this was stu- this was a tough one for me to to swallow. So in the first, so in the first seven seasons, 
six out of the seven were in the final episode. So six out of the seven winners of the first elimination challenge for the first seven seasons, they went all the way down to the wire. And so maybe this is a little bit of a front loaded thing that maybe, maybe the judges are kind of checking their biases. Once you realize, Hey, maybe we're being too lenient or maybe we're, we're having too much of a, uh, a, a first elimination challenge bias. Maybe they're starting to be a little harsher on those and, and saying, you know what? We need to grade these people, not on be, on the past, but on the dish in front of us. And I think that might be what's happening. Cause in the last few seasons, the first elimination challenge winner has not, uh, fared too well. Maybe it's random, but man, uh, that was, I actually, Kevin, I didn't, I didn't get to watch the episode live. I just, I had a schedule obligation, so I, I waited, and, and I got a fan email. Who, th- <laughs> I got a fan email saying, "Oh, I love your show. This is fantastic." And man, I got burnt by Natalie. Can you believe it? And I was like, "Oh no! Did this just happen?" And I was like, no, no, maybe, maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's a total random thing. And I watched the episode with a little bit of a spoiler in the email. So this, I kind of had an inkling that maybe things went south for Natalie, but I didn't, I, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. And the whole episode, I was just like, uh oh, didn't do well in the in the quick fire. Uh oh, didn't do well. No way, this is really gonna happen. I'm gonna lose my number one pick in the first few episodes again. Yeah, and it, 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 it's a concern because uh, she will go into Last Chance Kitchen, and you know, I, I think. Against brother, who's just a, just a monster in Last Chance, as is Carrie, and um, in, in Alabama Jim. But I, I, I worry that she might not work back. To me, she's a much better elimination challenge, despite going out contender, than she is a a quick fire last uh, last chance. I mean, this is a woman who did Loxa as a halibut ceviche with confit potatoes. In the first mm. episode, I mean, I, I was so excited to watch her cook. Uh, you could hear under his breath uh, after she was dismissed from the judges' table. Tom say she was really strong. Uh, this, I mean, kind of all of Tyler. I mean, this is a situation where just an, an immensely talented contestant is no longer with us. Uh, Eddie, who I who is by the way, who I still love, and by the way, might have made the best dish of the night. Uh, you know, and it seems like he is legitimately remorseful about it. Uh, has earned the uh, has earned the nickname Eddie Money from uh, his 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 fellow <laughs> his competitors. Yes, yes. Let's just quickly go walk through the episode. That it was a very interesting quick fire. It was uh, it created dish to 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 sate Gail Collins, who is pregnant, uh, has cravings apparently, like like pregnant women do. Uh, I must be a pregnant woman because I crave prosciutto every single day. Uh, so, but they, uh, and, and what was very interesting is Gail in, in when asked to, uh, itemize her cravings, pretty much craves everything. <laughs> so, uh, the contestants had to come up with sort of a, a, a craving pregnant with, and I was actually very impressed with Brendan because I, I think he identified for, you know, those who might not have been pregnant women, like, well, what is the kind of, you know, what, 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 what's the heuristic that you use to say, well, is this a good craving dish. And I think the answer is, is it's eh, pregnant women, people who are hung over. Yeah. I think there's an overlap there. People who are stoned, kind of all the same thing, right? Like give me some munchies. Yes. Give me some flavor. Yeah. And he, he did this lovely bulgogi bowl with Brussels sprout kimchi. It was really smart. It, it won one of the final two spots. And I don't know how your scoring accounts were, Tom, but uh, only two uh, folks went ahead. Did they even, did they uh, note who finished on the bottom there? 
Um, no, I didn't get that. Are we penalizing uh, bottom three quickfires? We are not penalizing bottom three quickfires. All we're doing is giving them a point for being in the top three-ish, and in this one there was two, and then the win. You get an extra... How do we feel about that? I mean, it's obviously something for season, our third season of Pack Your Knives. Um, being called out for having a crappy dish, maybe you should... Well, we'll, we'll figure that out. I was thinking about that. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't, dis- we don't penalize even like a teeny bit for being a bottom three quick fire well it didn't matter in this episode because natalie just went boom uh she didn't bring it on the first and and david wins with i mean and and you know this as well i mean i think you and i have similar tastes what is better than a ribeye with a nice like crust a nice salted crust um and uh, he did he won the quick fire with a ribeye with a uh, tremula which i love so long as it has no cilantro like i don't mind ground coriander but he goes with he goes full on North African harissa, uh, tremula with that ribeye. Tom, I'm 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 a guy who's having more and more trouble with spicy food as I get older. And like what I love about North African spices, it's like kind of right there at the sweet spot before before my colon kind of gets inflamed. You know, like 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 North African spice is right where I live. And he even said like I'm going more for spice than heat. So I, I'm 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 very on their their tremula as long as it has no cilantro. The tremula harissa bandwagon. Well, I, I want to point something out here because I watched this episode with my wife. We have a two year old, uh, almost two year old daughter, and so she was watching with uh, close attentiveness to what what they decided was uh, good pregnant food. Kevin, they all gave gave Gail very rare steaks. That is not that's a number one faux pas for eating when you're pregnant is uh, a rare steak. It usually has to be either medium well or well done. And so we're watching this and I, I kind of had this inclination like, hey, is it like no sushi, no like raw foods and like and if you're gonna have a steak, make sure it's not pink. And the first three dishes that went out, Kevin, were all like rare steaks. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm one of these. I have some reactionary. Like, did they only have steak available? Didn't it seem weird? There was a disproportionate amount of of steak on this on this uh, quick fire. It was like six or seven dishes. Well, Gail loves meat. Gail loves meat. You know, David. David was a high pick for you, Kevin, and uh, he's been very excellent so far. But also a very um, big fan of Gail. You caught that? Yes, I did. Yeah, so I, I, you I had did. an intuition that Gail was also, or uh, David was also a fan of Gail. Uh, so the 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 episode then moves venue to the Maker's Mark, not a state, a distillery, the the property, the property. We'll call it the property, and it was a full sample of kind of a lot of the dishes we had enumerated in the uh, our first episode, kind of Kentucky style cooking. So so we got burgoo. Um, which to me is just roadkill stew, and I, I was very happy to hear Daphne call it uh, Brunswick stew because where yep. I grew up in Georgia, yep, like that is kind of the squirrely, kind of southern chili thing. Yep, uh, and and we got a we got the kind of the full uh, we got the full range of uh, of dishes there that were to supply inspiration for the family style Kentucky dinner and. Um, you know, that was interesting to kind of watch. We got a little more inkling. You get a little window into personalities um, when you kind of see the the menu. Everybody sit around, kind of declare their dishes. Uh, yeah, this is, like a, this is like a workout, right? Like where a bunch of guys are, uh, we're watching a bunch of prospects work out together. And you're like, oh, not only am I going to see what they look like on paper, but now I get to see their personalities. And um, I thought Nina, when they were trying to figure out what dishes to, to, when they were separated into teams, I thought Nina came out as the alpha and I was not expecting that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think she's somebody, and, and I can relate a little bit, who just doesn't like indecisiveness. It's like, you know, what do you want to cook? I'm cool with whatever it is. Just declare what you're doing. Yes. With sort of my interpretation uh, of her persona at that table is it's like, let's just come up with a plan. Don't care what the plan is. Let's just come up with a plan. Uh, she might very well be an INTJ. I, I'm, I'm predicting this. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, also in that little uh, get together, that meal, he figured it out pretty quickly. He's like, everyone's drinking bourbon here, but I feel like this is a trap. And it, it, it reminded me as someone who went, went to a Southern school in a fraternity, like when the brothers in the fraternity, at, when you're pledging are being way too nice to you, you kind of have this little sneaking suspicion that something's not right. Oh and God, boy, Brian, life is so weird. It's, <laughs> it was so weird, man. Um, like when, when like a brother goes, get, gets you a beer and it's like, Hey, pledge, enjoy a beer. You're like, what is in this beer? Like, what, did you poison me? Like, is this like, what, what is in this? Is it just stale? Like, has it been sitting on a shelf for like three weeks? Uh, and this seems like a nice gesture, but really you're just trying to kill me. So Brian um, has the suspicion that something's not right. So as they're sipping some bourbon and Maker's Mark and it seems like a jolly old meal, uh, I hope none of them got too drunk because then the guy had to go and, and deliberate over their menus. Brian is very funny. He's um, He is truly the Eeyore of the group. Uh, I, I kind of I, I kind of dig his game in that respect. He's just he's like Charlie Brown. Uh, it's it, it's amusing. Um, what was very interesting is during the menu planning, it seemed like the black team was the happiest place on earth, right? I mean, we watched sort of them come up with their menu. Uh, it's the red team um, with Nini, who's kind of contentious. And, and the music changes. Don't you love that? I love the little editing, the production of just oh, like yeah. the choices where after the bright and and festive black team, everything's going smooth. They're just gangbusters out there. Then suddenly like the mood just turns completely ominous and it was like dun dun dun. And I don't think they were artificially uh, producing that. I think that it was it was legit that they had some animosity, not animosity, but some friction there and trying to figure out their meal. Yeah. And. By the way, you know, we had in an episode when we'd identified Brendan as sort of the designated asshole. I thought after the whole Eddie thing, he he kind of he he kind of said the the decompressing thing, which is there's nothing we can do, right? Um, I, I'm actually I'm interested in the fact that it, maybe it's a credit to Eddie's remorse. Maybe it's, they just generally like the guy, but there was no. I, I mean, I think. You know, somebody raised their hand that they were adversely affected by, um, they were adversely affected by the the, the budget constraints. Uh, who was it? Was it Eric? I think it was Eric. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they really could have. And, and well, previous- Pablo, Pablo, I think might have Pablo with the spices. I think he was in his confessionals uh, mentioning like, "Hey, it, I, how am I supposed to make my my grandmother's stew when I don't have any spices? This is ridiculous." But like, you know. Um, so there are two two things on Pablo. I still think Pablo is one of the best chefs on the on the board, and uh, I. So on one hand, he he is right and wrong, right? Like he's he's right in the sense that he he, he truly, you know, it, it there it lacked flavor. There there wasn't a lot of complexity going on. I also think though, stew requires depth, and you can't really accomplish that in two and a half hours. I mean, shit, man, I don't braise for less than six hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like. I, it is a weird decision. I mean, decision making early in the season is so interesting to watch. Like, even in the quick fire, you know, you go with Pharaoh. Like, don't, or for that matter, Couscous. Like, be careful with your grains in a quick fire. Like, isn't that like kind of one of the great rules 
of of quick fire is time is limited. Anything that requires whether it whether it's stewing, whether it's grains, like that requires time that can't merely be produced with fire, you know, or mm-hmm. heat. Yeah. Like, like it just takes it takes as long as it's going to take. It's the Stay risotto away from. corollary. The risotto exactly, corollary. exactly. Yeah. And so we are seeing some early kind of rookie, early season mistakes on that. Um, Wait to back but, up for a sec, Kevin. Yeah. How do you feel about the budget thing? How do you feel about the fifteen hundred dollar budget thing? Because I, when I was watching, it, it never really came up in last season when we were doing Pack Your Knives, where something catastrophic happened, where someone on their salary cap blew a third of the payroll um, on one of like thirty different ingredients. So, like, would you would you feel okay if like Top Chef just like on the next ep- few episodes or the rest of the season, they didn't really include like a budget constraint and the whole Whole Foods thing. Or do you think they have to create a challenge within the challenge with the budget thing? No, I was thinking about this. Number one, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often because it, it it is a great they're, – they're very good at depriving, right? Like, hey, you can only use the things that you're finding on the backseat of this car or, hey, we're going to drop you in the wilderness and you have to basically kill your food or only take – the crap that's in this little box or they're very good at providing these sand traps or setting them down on the, on the obstacle course that is top chef. But I'm shocked that we don't see this more often because it actually creates great conflict. I mean, you're basically now fighting for your dish. Um, and, and I'm, I'm shocked that they don't make it more draconian because now maybe they also at the end of the day want, you know, we're the viewers. We want to see these really talented people. When those when they do the close up of the plate with the little title card, we want it to look nice, and they want the chefs to be able to execute what they ultimately execute. At the end of the day, we're watching a skills challenge, and but on the other hand, I mean, after this, I think it presents great opportunities to the producers to create conflict. You know, in the most simple event, which is procuring the ingredients. Do you think the the lamb you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube? Like, do you think there's a rule? That like once you get your protein, from, you can't put the lamb back in the tube. You can't put the lamb back in the in the tube. Like do you brush I, your teeth with lamb. <laughs> what, is that what Greeks do? Like, I we, yeah, I, I have lamb flavored um, lamb flavored toothpaste, and I only get it from the Greek market. By the here. way, shout out to Otis and Penelope um, in Los Angeles, uh, a, a place that I had a decent meal about a year ago and had a brilliant meal last night. Did lamb lettuce cups last night. With a uh, with pickled onions and, and, and a lovely like uh, like tahini sauce, it was it was one of the best dishes I've had in, in, uh, in the month of December. Wait, when you say lamb lettuce cups, is the lettuce the is it is it lamb? Is it like a, a taco but with lamb as the as the taco? Yeah, essentially, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Wow, and it was, just, it, was, it was it was it was a I mean, I had a great dinner last night um, with someone you know from the NBA community, and we. Uh, Otis and Penelope, which which I'd always thought was a teeny bit overrated um, in the kind of Los Angeles, you know, uh, a fixture on the late Jonathan Gold's list. But um, man, did they just I mean, the smoked and grilled half chicken last night at Otis Penelope was great. Uh, they did they did a beautiful charred broccolini salad with this uh, this beet remoulade that was amazing. Uh, it, it was just a one of the best meals I've had. And uh, a central location for us because it it was it was kind of right up your alley as well and uh, really solid meal last night. So I'm just doing this is this this now concludes the uh, the 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 commendation for great urban meal uh, portion of our show. 
Here's another portion of the show. Um, if you have a bingo card or we need to come up with a bingo card for this show because pressure cooker mishap is got to be on the bingo board. Brian really struggled with the pressure cooker. I feel like this happens at least five times a season. I don't own one. I, I've never actually cooked with one. It's really interesting. It, it seems like if you want to go like we uh, I don't know if you've watched the latest um, Last Chance Kitchen or maybe it was the first Last Chance, Chance Kitchen where uh, Alabama Jim, basically Jim Smith, he, he says that he has studied every single episode of Top Chef and is as as knowledgeable about Top Chef skills and trends and strategy as anybody. I feel like. You should probably know how to use a pressure cooker before you go on Top Chef. It is one of those things that it's like running a pick and roll in the NBA. If you're a point guard, you have to learn how to run the pick and roll if you want to be an NBA player. Because uh, Richard, I think it was Richard, Bla- I think it was Richard Blaze last year who said unless he used you're Lonzo to- Ball, who doesn't really run pick and roll. <laughs> no, but by the way, I had a triple double here in Charlotte. I, I'm, last I'm, I'm a huge awesome. Lonzo guy. Like I, I actually, despite all the atmospherics i actually like i'm high-fiving you through the through this podcast right now because me too um but but like richard blaze said he used to like go to the top chef or go to the whole foods and just like kind of scout out and learn how to sprint and do wind sprints so you know prepare for the the conditioning of of going to whole foods this is going 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 to top chef combine yes yes we were we were were discussing a top chef combine and i feel like the pressure cooker figuring out how to use that is very much uh part of the combine need to go on top chef so brian uh you're not alone brian you you are one of the many 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 who have struggled with the pressure cooker so Um, we've talked a lot about the mishaps uh it's probably worth talking about the, the successes and the winner of the elimination challenge was Nini Wynn, who is on your team. And I, I think it's important to note how hard it is to win a challenge with spoon bread because Tom spoon bread is basically milk, butter, egg, salt, sugar, and like cornstarch. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much it. It is probably something that's very hard to do poorly. If you have any capabilities as a chef, and probably really hard to do to win a challenge on it. I'm always amazed at like the people in Top Chef who can win a challenge with a side dish or a veggie thing. Or I mean, I think Dave in that first episode, right in the in the quick fire, what did he do? He won, I think, on a with, with a non-protein kind of dish. And and I, I think it always is interesting when someone can take something that really isn't a showcase piece. And I mean, everybody loves spoon bread. What's not to love? Again, buttermilk, eggs, cornstarch. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like super decadent cornbread corn pudding it's 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 really good yeah i mean but it's not something that you put 15 14 really capable chefs you know give them a budget allow them to you know pick your dish it's going to be hard to finish on top with that uh what the curveball of course is nini comes with the shrimp etouffee so she brings this savory new orleans additive uh and and by the way like i i can't remember the last time i had cornbread or spoon bread or anything in that genre and kind of had a what, what, I, I didn't even think about it. Like, why not give me a savory dipping sauce? Yeah, because because it is rich and it is buttery. What are you going to cut that with? Oh, I mean, that's it, it's like the minute she's like, I'm going to do a shrimp etouffee. I'm watching. I'm like, this is freaking brilliant. Like, like yeah. And the chefs were like, uh, that needs to be on your menu. Or the, right. the judges, like, yeah. The judges like that is an a dish that I want at, all the time. Yeah, right. These, these judges with. Uh, between their Kentucky and Southern food experience, there's this general restaurant experience. It blew their head the way it blew my head. It's like, what? Anytime something seems so obvious yet had never been considered, 
in the history of culinary tradition. It's brilliant. And I was just – Nini had a really, really, really interesting week. She comes out, as you say, as sort of the uh, you know the tour director on the red team, kind of calling shots, putting people in boxes, telling them to make up their mind, takes what is essentially an element – a more elementary dish, certainly a less complicated dish, and then brings her personal New Orleans touch to it. And then just walks off with the W. Hey, listener. It's your favorite Butcher Turn podcast producer, May, is here to talk to you about Butcher Box. A not-so-wise man once said, it's not that hard, just chop, chop. Who knew that he was talking about pork chops from Butcher Box? It's not that hard. It's easy to get high-quality meat and seafood you can trust, delivered right to your doorstep, free shipping always, a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You get exactly what you need, premium ingredients for your meals to feed your family. I know how it is. You go to the grocery store. You're stressed. You got a lot of food to get. And then you got to wait in line at the butcher counter. Maybe your butcher is a tall man with an attitude. I don't know. I've never experienced that, but maybe it happened to you. That's why I love ButcherBox. You've always got meat in the freezer or in the fridge. You're ready to cook at any time, and you're not going to find such high quality at such low prices anywhere else. So sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and use code dings at checkout to enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus $20 off. Again, that is butcherbox.com slash dings, and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S. Chop, chop! We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. That was incredible. And uh, she got emotional there. At the, I mean, she was... Um, she was the whole range of what's great about Top Chef uh, in this episode. And I feel so, so good that she's still on my team. Uh, Kevin, I, if you're going to do a power rankings of, of contestants going forward, I feel like Nini's she's pretty, pretty high up there. And I'm feeling good. Not even though that Natalie's out, uh, I'm feeling really, really strong with with Nini. So thank you, Nini, for for coming out on top, getting 10 points on the board for Team Tom. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the power rankings. You know, what do we know now that we didn't know then? I mean, I think we know that, I think Eric, you know, I'm looking at my roster right now. So Eric is a measure of reassurance. Again, he was on one of those teams. I, I, he suffered from a citrus deficit with his his marmalade that was going to go with the Gabonese bananas. Um, but he showed a lot of technique, a lot of creativity, conforming his tradition to sort of the rules of the game. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very, like, as, as a general manager looking at my roster, uh, I'm very excited about that. I've never been more happy my, my, about my David Viana. Oh pick. man, Woo! you know, like yeah. I am just really feeling good about that. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I guess I should be a little concerned about Pablo. Less about he got screwed with the spices. Then again, you just want to see good judgment. These are all great chefs. Um, do I try to go with the grain when I have limited time? Do I try to go to a stew when I have a good limited time? Do I try to put too many components on the plate? when I know that Tom Colicchio has been saying the same shit for 16 seasons, which is you could take one of these things off and yet you still 
you know, walk up to Lucy in the football and do it. Um, so I, I'm still bullish on Pablo. Eddie, I mean, frankly, other than just being an unintentional dick and taking everybody's money, I mean, the guy goes out and makes the dish of the night. I know. You know, I'm still feeling very good. And and I was arguing with um a, a colleague of mine who loves uh, Top Chef, who's just down. You know, he did not have – in his draft, Eddie went, like, middle of the pack, and I was very surprised. And he's like, I'm just not feeling with it. He's too jittery. He's too stressed out. And, oh, and yeah. my, re- my reply is, is he has what Greg Popovich calls, Tom, appropriate fear. He has appropriate oh. fear for Top Chef. Like, yeah, he is nervous, but I think that nervousness, some people like to play a little nervous. Some people need to be a live wire. Not everybody. I, I think you're talking yourself into Eddie right now. I think that's Dude, what you're wait. doing. Dude, wait. I mean, look, again, he aside was nervous. From the, he went and dropped a, a and, $500 and he, on lamb. And he had the best dish of the night. He nailed the protein. He nailed the flavor. You know, for all you know we're why? Because he got everything he needed. Everyone else didn't nail it because they were using dirt and, and rocks because of him. Yeah, that ain't his problem. Did it? It should be. Look, right. look. We you remember a couple seasons ago, Jamie Lynch uh, from here in Charlotte, actually uh, at Five Church here in Charlotte. Well, he fell on his sword. He fell on his sword and said, "I don't want uh, immunity because I don't think I deserve it. I honor above everything." And Eddie. It's not like he could have quit and just been like, look, I deserve to be in the bottom three or I deserve I'm not going to come out and do my dish. But he he had such a thin margin for error there. You have to give him props because everyone it was like blood in the water and they were all great whites. Like if he slipped up at all, Kevin, at all, he didn't. So I think as a that human being, incredible I think performance someone needed him. to tell this guy. Motherfucker, you need to make $400 worth of lamb look like $500. But as a general manager of my team, I'm very pleased with Eddie. I like that is my first pick, and I am I am okay with that right now. I got David Viana. Uh, Michelle Minori was a little underwhelming uh, with the Benedictine. Who ugh, who wants a tea sandwich? Oh, God. I mean, like, <laughs> it's like some bad thing you see it, at a British hotel. And, like, the Brits just discovered cooking, like, 10 years ago. Um <laughs> You know, by the way, very happy for Sarah Bradley, the local. You know, she got praise and you could see how much it meant to her at the judges' table for her authenticity, right? Those soup beans were just Mm. with the chow chow. By the way, chow chow, who knew? Spanning, kind of spanning the Appalachians, you know, kind of all the way through. But um, was very happy. It was very meaningful to her that she was on the winning team for the Kentucky Challenge. She went with a side dish that frankly, you know, isn't as appealing, I think, on the surface as a lot of this other. She's not getting a put up a beautiful rack of lamb. She's beans, you know, and she, she nailed it. So I was very happy for Sarah Bradley, who's on my team. Um, Kevin Sharp, after being kind of the, uh, the runt of the litter with this, uh, yeah. this corn dog banana with the, with the peanut butter mayo, which, uh, which Padma equated to a Thai peanut sauce. And there's nothing better than Thai peanut sauce. Uh, it was a strong, it looked like a dessert. It looked something like I, I would love to order, uh, if I was hungover at a restaurant and just craving, craving some, 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 I, I, I don't know about you, uh, when you're hungover or when you're not feeling a hundred percent, like I, I do love a good peanut butter. I do like one of the weird myths or the urban legends about ha- curing a hangover is a peanut butter, um, like banana, like a banana covered, sorry, a peanut butter covered banana, uh, does the trick. And so he basically did that. Um, and Vince, uh, yeah, from peanut butter up. is interesting to me because um, I just got back uh, for our listeners. We're recording this on Sunday morning, Pacific time, early Sunday afternoon, Eastern time. 
and both of us have been traveling. And I just got back from the Hollywood Farmer's Market. I don't know if you've been there with me, but just truly my favorite hour of the week. All the greatest produce in the, in the, in the cradle of agricultural America, you know, Central Valley of California. It's all bust in. I get the best of everything. Um, and I do love kind of natural food. But I have a theory that there are a couple of foods that are better mass produced in preservatives and all the gunk than their natural versions. And to me, peanut butter is that one food. I argue with my mom about this all the time. She goes and gets that shit <laughs> that the oil is sitting on top. Oh, I know. And I it's know. not even, the consistency is not pleasant and it's not sweet. And I'm sorry, but there has not been a natural peanut butter that has ever been produced that's as good as Jif with creamy with preservatives and sugar. One hundred percent. You know, I, I'm, that's just me. I, and I. And by the way, not you're just to you. This, I'm here too. I'm here. Dude, with I you. order all my meat now online from non-factory farm places. I order all my chicken online from non-factory farm. I only buy produce at, at, at locals farmers markets. Um, Which shit, I, inject me with the GIF. Exactly. Like like peanut butter, the next please. quote natural peanut butter that is served to me that's any good will be the first. Give me. Peter Pan, give me Jif. It is one of the great mass-produced. Some foods are just meant to be mass-produced with preservatives and gunk and God knows what else. And I just feel like peanut butter is that food for me. So uh, Vince at Uproxx, he's actually, we should have him on the show. He does a power rankings, uh, Vince Mancini, and they're really, really funny. They're really good. Every episode he does a recap in the form of power rankings. Um, and... I loved his nicknames that he gives out for each contestant, and Adrian Adrian's nickname is NPR, and that just made me laugh very, very Why? hard. Uh, he just says that she looks like someone who would be like a, an NPR host. Um, he says we got to get Vince Mancini. Why isn't Vince Mancini on our show? We need to get him up here. He's, he says Adrian needs to cool it with the chunky earrings, mainly because I'm blanking on a good name for someone who always wears chunky earrings. Adrian made catfish. Who cares? Was just her write up. Um, and it just goes on down the line. He thinks that, uh, Kevin, your boy, and this is why I brought up Kevin, uh, Sharp, he looks like Napoleon Dynamite and I guess I kind of see it. I guess I kind of see it. Uh, but my favorite one of all the nicknames, Vince, is Hipster Joe Flam for Brian. He says he is, he is Hipster <laughs> Joe Flam. That's Vince. Well done. We, we got to get Vince on the show. We, yes. we got we to gotta make this happen. Yes. That so, would be a fun thing. So Kevin, do you want to hear your, uh, breakdown of points? Yeah, I mean, I've got to assume. Well, actually, no. You have the big winner, so you have the. You're sort of uh, you're you're at the tails of, of of the chart, and I'm getting kind of the middle, right? Well, the the interesting thing here is that uh, the top in the elimination challenge is teams. So there are several um, players. So like the red team was in the top. So you're telling me I'm going by the Wikipedia, Kevin, that we have done all season long last year. So you're telling me that like someone on the red team with a cruddy dish did better than like Eric, who didn't have enough citrus and pulled out that Gabonese banana, but is getting penalized for being on the losing team when it was really an in, this is an individual it's not challenge penalized. disguised. It's, see, as, Kevin, this is the thing. You're I not like getting it. penalized. Uh, you are moving on, first of all. You are moving on in the episode. No, I'm not getting penalized. I'm getting fucked. <laughs> no, I just don't think someone who makes a crappy dish who happens to like ride the coattails of Nini like, should get more points than like a person who truly makes lemonade um, 
on a shitty team deprived of ingredients. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just... It doesn't happen every episode. It just happens on the, the random, like, team top yeah, three I know. I know. I'm, I'm over it. All right, I'm over it. Okay, so Eddie gets two points for moving on. Uh, Pablo gets two points for moving on. Um, uh, actually, they're in the low teams, but because you don't get penalized for being in the low, it's just they get two points for moving on. Michelle is on the winning team, so she gets five points. And didn't eight. she do the? Yeah, she did those crappy Benedict team, right? I mean, she's my player. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, loved her. She needs to get back to doing Carrot Top Tagliatelle. Yes. Burberry. Yeah. yeah Michelle, get back to doing your thing. Don't, don't mess around with tea sandwiches. The Brits invented them. They're terrible, and they don't know anything about food. David gets the on the uh, winning team, so he gets three uh, five points for that. And also, he wins the quick fire challenge, an additional three points. Right. Eric uh, was on the low team, so this is the gripe that you have. Eric is on the low team. Did Man, not that get guy any- just ball? I know. Look, look. He's if you're taking a flame torch to them bananas and like not enough blood oranges, and he's just, I mean, he's pulling all kinds of shit. Sarah was in the high team. She had a good day. Yeah, uh, she did. She, she gets five points. Well deserved. Well deserved. Uh, Napoleon, as Vince calls him, Kevin Sharp gets five points for being well on the deserved. winning team. Uh, Carrie, we're not going to count. I'm going to I'm going to take the last chance kitchen from the previous. Three, let's talk week. about because you know, we're going to talk about the pre. We never talk about our rule is we don't talk about the most recently eliminated contestants. To, uh, last chance we go to the week before. Do you want to recap for everybody what happened? If you haven't been online uh, to Bravo's last chance kitchen, very interesting uh, structure this year. I kind of like it. Yeah, so they have Carrie, Alabama Jim, and Brother on the show as returnees. And man, that is a murderer's road. If you walk into that den and Brother just like, Brother's not smiling or anything. He looks like a bouncer out there. He is just stoic. Like when the they walk in the room. That guy was made for LCK. He was constructed in a laboratory. <laughs> right. That guy must, he has some serious line cook, badass, busy Saturday night. In his pocket. Oh, uh, you don't want to mess with brother, man. You don't want it because he he is huge and he's intimidating. He just he's he doesn't he doesn't smile. He doesn't give you any pleasantries or salutations. It is I'm he's like a, he's like a, a lineman. Uh, a he looks d- like no, he looks like one of those relief pitchers in 2003 who comes in throwing like, Rich like, Garces, like, yeah, like Eric okay. Gagne type. Just <laughs> just you don't want anything to do with it. Throwing gas. Um, By the way, so- Eric Gagne was so awesome. He was. He was. I know he was juiced. I don't care. Eric, you know, everyone was juiced. Listen, it was a there level was a time. Field. Let me just. Can I go on a baseball tangent for two seconds? Yes. I know. Like, yes. all right, I'm losing half of our audience right here. Maybe actually three quarters of our audience. But like, like when you were a Dodger fan in the early 2000s, this was a team, Tom, that literally it's one and two hitters were Alex Cora and Cesar Isturiz. Can you imagine the level of mind? that puts those two people to lead off a major league lineup <laughs> in a big market. I mean, every they had an amazing oh staff. That was like a staff with like Wilson Alvarez with a sub-2 ERA. Um, a she-e. But like there was there was just games were like one nothing into the eighth. And it was just, there was just no pop on that team. Like J.D. Drew was never healthy, whatever. But man, you went to the park every night because you were going to get to see Eric Gagne come in and like there was there was a time Tom I think there was like a four month period he threw 12 balls I know like 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 and with Eric, the glasses and everything Eric Gagne was one of the coolest things ever about baseball um anyway that, that, that's my Eric he Gagne had the consecutive thing. save record right I was there the night and my sister was in from London and my sister has always been just I'm no longer a baseball fan and I swore off the Dodgers when they uh deprived me of watching on direct tv they took a 
rich contract. But um, my sister just never forgave me becoming a Dodger fan because we grew up Braves fans. And I was like, well, you got to come to the park for a five o'clock Sunday night game. Like summer in Los Angeles. I don't know if you've been to the park, Tom, but like sunset just at dusk. It's, it's just a beautiful setting. And, you know, she looks over to me at the sixth inning and it's just a beautiful night. And it's a it's a close game. And she's like, All right, I totally get it. And Gagne comes in and he blows his first save in like two years <laughs> and the entire park goes silent. And then like it takes them about 20 seconds to realize what's happened. And then after this man has blown a save, everybody just climbs to their feet and just cheers what they've just witnessed, which is the guy hasn't blown a save like in a year and a half. Like it's it was truly one of the greatest streaks ever. But yeah, but that's 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 brother luck. He's Eric Gagne. I love it. I love it. He, you know what? It, you know that when you speak of the uh, the the applause after he blows a save or he or he takes the L, it's a, it's kind of like the guy who has a no hitter through eight and two thirds and gives I always up a love single. that moment, right? Where the whole crowd is like, you know what? <laughs> Hats off to you. Like that was that was awesome. Because uh, that is a, that is a lonely moment is when you give up one out you have twenty seven outs you get twenty six and on the twenty seventh you blow it it kind of feels like uh, you know Natalie drafting her number one I, I'm 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 over it Kevin you know what I'm over I'm over it um, let's keep moving with the score right so so, here. so so the last chance kitchen Kelsey oh, yeah. goes back and um and gets. Gets no, beat Caitlin, up pretty hard. Caitlin or, goes. Caitlin, the 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 tomato, uh, the tomato biscuits. Um, oh, Caitlin. Yeah, toma- I'm sorry, I'm getting my names mixed. Caitlin up. with the tomato pie. She gets sent back, uh, and she can't vindicate herself there in Last Chance Kitchen. That's an intimidating group to go against. Um, and man, Carrie is as bright and cheery and awesome and just assassin. Uh, she as is ever. such an interesting contestant because when she, you know, the the, the this was true when she last season. You know, Tom comes over, what are you doing? Like, what are you making? And she kind of goes into it, and you're just thinking to yourself. And you can see Tom thinking the same thing, which is, this is not going to work. Like, you're crazy. (laughs) This makes no sense. I mean, basically, everything, oh, you're going to do fancy toast. You're going to do this. I'm going to make the biscuits, but crumble. I mean, whatever it is. Like, and invariably, the thing that's supposed to make no sense, that just seems either like a bad risk, playing it too safe, not safe enough, like... It turns out that it is going to be at the finish at the top. Like she yeah. is one of the most confounding and interesting contestants, like that we've had on this show in years. She's the Mary MacGyver. She's very Truly. happy, happy. Just you know, like uh, oh yeah, like the sweetest. You know, like, everything's fine. Um, uh, my my biscuits not really working. Well, so I'm going to do a crumble. I'm going to do a I broken mean, biscuit, and then just n- MacGyver's the situation and becomes uh, the winner. So I'm just <laughs> a huge fan. And if, by the way, and if you told me, hey, pick five people, chefs from this pool that you would want to start a restaurant with, I don't know that she'd be on the list. Like I don't even know that I could give you a definitive articulation of of like her vision of cooking and like what a what a carry restaurant would be. You know, she but is if I'm so going ad space, hoc, she I is want her so to be my ad chef. hoc in in her in her execution and yet it always fucking works. Yes. So um so Caitlin, oh man, that's that's tough. That's tough. Caitlin gets eliminated from not just the show, but right into the Last Chance Kitchen. She moves uh, into the stool, the the observant stool in Last Chance Kitchen. Oh, the so observant she, stool. Oh God, those people are held. It's like hostage. 
camp. I know, I know, especially for those with like I know Kelsey's not eliminated, but I just like if you if she, if Kelsey went home or quote unquote went home and had to be in the the observant stool of shame for like the rest of the season while their her ten month old is sitting at home. Oh man, that is that is crazy. But anyway, they should give her you, they should give her a a pass if that happens. Right, right. All right, 27 points, Kevin. You come out with 27 points in your week one of the fantasy uh, pack your knives. I'm coming out with a minus four from Natalie because, or sorry, a minus five for Natalie. She got booted from the show. We are not counting next season's, uh, next episode's Last Chance Kitchen quite yet. Uh, Natalie with five. Nini with 10. Justin moves on with two. Brian gets in the the high, the uh, the winning team. By the way, can we give Justin some shine? Guy drops oh, yeah. all his damn corn and Doesn't, has what what the judges call the best, most flavor forward dish on the um, on the table. One hundred percent. I'm very. We haven't you talked know about what? him. Justin is Justin for me is he's your an interesting Eric. chef. He's an You're, interesting chef. Eric, Eric, and Justin might be top five, seven chefs on this show. I feel like, but they don't have any. They, they don't have any, uh, you know, W's to show for it. But I feel like they're uh, they're lurking, um, hanging around, hanging around. Yes. So Brian gets five. Kelsey moves on with two. Uh, Adrian gets five for being on the winning team. Brandon has a strong performance. A little qu- quick note about Brandon. I feel like he um, he had a good bounce back from last week. He was the obvious well, villain. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, in terms of personality, yeah. Like, I, yes. I think there might have been a little, yeah. But um, he was in I, the top two for the quick fire challenge with the Bulgogi Bowl. Yeah, but then he made those bad dumplings and didn't and, and yeah. didn't have enough time to confit. Like, can't do a confit in that I mean, amount of time. He he wasn't he he didn't foul out and have six turnovers in this one. Is no, what but I'm I do to feel say. like you shouldn't make dumplings unless you know how to make dumplings. It's just a high degree. Like you're a you're a Michigan born. You're, you've been cooking in like for tech bros for the last few years who probably eat a very specific kind of you know kind of power and and health you know protein heavy food. Like don't don't there were enough there were enough dishes presented on that table at Maker's Mark. If I'm not a person who has made dumplings, I don't know that I go there. Especially like, early in the competition, maybe oh, later man. in the competition when also you're like, also it's dumplings. Like there's so much margin for error. Like, all right, you overcook a like dumplings. If you fuck that up, like it is. I mean, as as what's her name said, like you're being very generous, uh, Tom. I mean, it, so he, he, I mean, he came. If not for the chemistry lab snafu with natalie like he's probably home um brother get moves on in last chance kitchen he gets a plus one jim moves on in last chance kitchen a plus one from again we're doing the last chance kitchen uh from the he, previous episode the man deep fried his biscuits wow Hell yeah the uh, man that, deep fried his biscuits good for him uh fried buttermilk biscuit with codfish gravy hell yeah Love it, Jim. Um, so I finished with 24 points, Kevin. You have the lead, 27 to 24 after week one of Pack Your Knives Fantasy. Um, you're looking pretty strong. You still have all I, – I lose my number one pick. She goes to Last Chance Kitchen. I hope she does well. Uh, it was a tearjerker. It was an amazing quote that she had on the way out, Natalie. Oh, great one. If life gives you lemons, ask for more. I mean, come on! That was that was it. That was such a great parting gift from Natalie. That um, I just I'm still she burnt up truly, about. Truly, it. it was one of the great screw jobs of all time. 
Ugh. I mean, since, Eddie, since, Eddie, since Eddie some... had to be perfect, and he was. That's the thing. Eddie had the margin for error for Eddie was so thin. It was paper thin. It was as thin as Pablo's dish. Um, it was. Th- that was uh, an impressive performance from Eddie. He's still inside his own head. He seems super nervous. I, you say that's a plus. I say it's a negative. But I'm going to go uh, I, I, with appropriate a t- fear. Appropriate fear. Okay. By the way, in terms of all time, and I, I'd be curious what our listeners think, like all time great screw jobs. Like, I, I mean, Kristen Kish, I mean, she ended up coming back, right? But am I, am I correct? She got eliminated yes. in Restaurant oh, yeah. Wars. And she went to Last for, Chance. Yep, yep. And, and then came back. But it was what was God? What was the context? I used to know this stuff. I'm, I'm losing my head. But like, um, but in terms of, I'm trying to think of like all the all time great screw jobs where where somebody partnered up with someone, got thrown under the bus, or 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 whatever it was. Um, but this is one of the top ones. And I'm, I was a huge Natalie fan. I'm 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 really unhappy about this. Um, let's see, uh, Kristen. What did she? I know she went out on Restaurant Wars by like, you know what? I think someone had immunity, so that was the obvious person, and then someone else had like it was just like one of those like, wait, how did she just get eliminated? You're right. I'm trying to. This is one of the all time great screw jobs. We'll have to look that one up. But um, she did an almond cake macaroon and uh, and a beef bourguignon. Uh, what was it that she got? I remember it was a screw job. We're gonna have to look it that up for episode three. It was a total screw three. job. I just yeah. forget when and why. There, there've been a few of them. Um, and that, uh, like, it was part of the restaurant show. wars. Was she front of house or was she? No, she did the desserts. She did two dishes. Some she couldn't have been front of house, was she? I, I don't I know. forget. We're gonna. All right. It all runs together. Um, um, shout out to uh, Maker's Mark. I am an ambassador at Maker's Mark, but I did not get a seat at the table at the Maker. Like the ambassador. What do you mean you're Maker's- an ambassador? Is that like a thing? It's a members club for Maker's Mark, and every holiday season you get a gift from Maker's Mark. This year it's socks, with like a, a funny dress socks with a Maker's Mark on it. Last year it was like a, a sticker that you could put on any bourbon bottle and say it's Maker's. It was, sometimes you get earmuffs that go on the top of your bourbon bottle. Um, it's just these these Christmassy holiday gifts that you get every year. And the best part, Kevin, um, that's just like a, a throw in in the trade. The best part is that you get to put your name on a barrel. It distills and it ages. You have your name on a plate. Mine was very long. Thomas William Kalakas Haberstra. I'm, I'm sorry for all the other people with their names on this bourbon uh, barrel. And it and it steeps there for several years and then you can go to the Maker's Mark Distillery which it, it is as beautiful and picturesque in person as it did on the show. It looks it is an incredible place. It's an incredible drive through the rolling hills of Kentucky. You get to take a bottle from your barrel for free kevin for free you get to hand dip the wax the the red signature that red schmutz yeah yeah you get to hand dip the bottle they give you an apron you get the goggles and you get to dip it in the hot wax and it's one of the most pleasurable things ever and it's great um and a maker's mark ambassador was at the judges table for the meal and there's like thousands of maker's mark ambassadors and this guy won the lottery apparently and got to sit there for uh for for the meal and i thought um it was an excellent excellent episode i was a little bummed out with the level of drunkenness i thought if you're gonna do a maker's mark episode you have to see a little bit of inebriation and people just do it screwing up because they they drank too much bourbon but it was an amazing episode um 
we're going to get some interviews. People probably listening at home. I want to hear some contestants. I want to get Richard Blaze on. I want to I want to hear this former contestant. We're going to do that um, and stick with us because we will have interviews coming up. Uh, but the first episode, the first week where we had the episode up as soon as the episode was done, uh, aired, that's probably... Um, Probably once in a blue moon, we're going to be able to do that. So thanks for sticking with us on the second episode here uh, a few days after the airing of episode two. I appreciate everyone for hanging in there. Any last thoughts, Kevin? No, I mean, no last thoughts. There's just a lot. uh, There's still a lot to unpack, a lot of jockeying. I mean, I think they're half the field is capable of winning this uh, winning this tournament. Any trade talk we want to get into? Any, I'm, I'm scouting. You you will be you will be informed uh, when I have gathered enough intel to. Uh, uh, there will be conversations. It's still early. Still okay. early. Still early. But um, uh, wow, Eddie! I can't believe. Like, does Eddie like in other instances in life? Does he just bite off more? Like, does he is he the guy who at the at the dinner table like the pizza gets put out there and he just takes seven slices as soon as it hits the table? No, that would be like, me. <laughs> no wonder why you, you drafted him. Uh, Tom, I, I we will uh, we will talk next week uh, at twenty seven twenty four. It is it is nip and tuck. It is early, um, and this is pack your knives. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.